For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do! Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Believe in South Carolina podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's your boy, Braden Malloy, here with you today, and I'm riding solo as my fellow co-host, Nick Kloss, is feeling a little under the weather this week. We're hoping to have him back on Thursday. Hope he gets to feeling a little bit better, but for the next about 20, 25 minutes, you're going to be rocking with me, which... Maybe a good decision, maybe a bad decision. I'll leave that up to you. But today we are recapping the Carolina-Missouri game from this past Saturday. And guys, it wasn't good. Um, I joked the other day, you know, Carolina fans are back to a life of uh, misery. Yeah, I like a lot of puns. You might have to deal with it this time. Um and the score, 31-28, Missouri over the Gamecocks out in, as I referred to them last week, the fake Columbia. But I guess I got to give them props this week as they did come out with the dub. So they can be the Columbia for this week. Um, Tigers did pull out the win, 31-28. And it's really close. It's really not, it was really not as close as the game. The score would suggest as Carolina did kind of put up 14 points in the fourth quarter. I wouldn't say all garbage time, but it the game was pretty much set in stone uh, by the end of the third with Missouri up 24-14. And then Missouri also tacked on their late touchdown to make it 31-14. Gamecocks, I, I don't really know what to make. I don't, I don't know what to make of this game. I mean, we're coming off a high, beating Florida at home. In the way that we did, kind of routed Florida. But here's the thing, and I told people this throughout the week. It was more of a, a win against a name of a team, more against a win against a brand, not so much a win against a good team. Florida is not the Florida of last year. It's not the Florida of two years ago. It's it's not the Florida that we have grown accustomed to see these past this past decade or so with Urban and and uh, Muschamp and Mullen, they're they're faltering. They they were four and four coming into the game against us. Yes, we won. We won a dominate fashion, but we still won against a team who now has five losses. Uh, they're not. We won against a team that's not even bowl eligible yet. So we we had to take the win with a grain of salt. It's great to beat another SEC team, but you also have to look at how that other SEC team is performing, right? And I think I think a lot of us as fans got just so hyped up about the win and, oh, wow, we beat Florida. That's that's amazing. We did it 
in the way that we did it, putting up 40-plus points and holding them to season lows, I mean, multiple season low in yardage and all. And that was great. But I think the celebration lasted a little too long. I mean, we had, even you had Parker White, who was at one of the women's basketball games this past weekend, or this past week, and he was doing the gator chop. And it was like, still on Wednesday or Thursday, and he's still, the team was still kind of parading around about this win. And I'm all for a team celebrating wins. I think it is so hard to win day in and day out in in sports in general. Uh, I mean, we're seeing it this year. The NFL and college are having as much parity as they have had almost, I mean, in, in 12 years. Anybody, everybody's losing on every given Sunday or Saturday with the, the uh, exception of, you know, my number one Bulldogs, but that's beside the point. But even Oklahoma went down this past week, and there's only three undefeated teams left in all of college football, and only one of them is Power Five. You had Georgia, Cincinnati, and UTSA. And no shade to UTSA, but they're not in the category of Georgia and Cincinnati. And no shade to Cincinnati, but they're still not in the category of Georgia. So you're everybody has been vulnerable this week or this year. So to get a win that you did this past Saturday, I think that that is a huge confidence booster and that's a huge thing to celebrate. But you got to know when the celebration ends and when preparation for the next week begins. And I think if you're taking a win that's not a season-ending win or a a championship-clinching win, if you're taking that four or five days into the next week, then you start to have a problem because your focus, you don't have enough time to focus on your upcoming matchup. And I think that's really where Carolina faltered this this weekend. I don't know if they really prepared enough to face the Missouri Tiger offense, honestly. I mean, you come in, Basilek, who we mentioned last week, has been their starter all last year. He was a little hurt a couple times this year, but he did start. He only had 180 yards, but he had two touchdowns. He did have two interceptions. So on the passing end, we did well against the pass like normal. We we have been a productive team on defense in regards to the pass, creating turnovers and keeping keeping the yardage low. Where we struggled on Saturday was with Tyler Beatty and the Mizzou Missouri, my bad, and the Mizzou run game. Uh that was our run defense was atrocious it was maybe one of the worst performances we've put up this year in terms of trying to stop the run um Beatty or I like to say Tyler Batty went 34 carries for 209 yards and a touchdown and you just you're not going to be able if you I mean you're letting up 200 plus yards as good as Tyler Beatty is you're letting up 200-plus yards to their running back. It's okay if Basilek only has 180 yards. He doesn't have to go out and throw for 300-plus because his run game is so efficient. And it also allows Basilek to just sit back there, takes pressure off his shoulders. He knows, okay, I can get a five-yard completion here. I can throw a little screen pass and maybe get two or three yards because I know I can turn it out turn around and hand it to Beatty the next play, and he'll go get eight or nine yards. 
And it's just that's it's you're playing from behind in the defense from defensive wise that point because the offense is comfortable. They they are in their game. They're not stressing. They're not having to look for other avenues outside of their game plan to find ways to move the ball or score. And with a defense, even if the score, we I mean, Carolina went up 7-0 in the first quarter. But it didn't phase Missouri because the, in the second quarter, they put up 17. And so even though we were playing ahead with the lead, the defense mindset all game was, oh my goodness, this might not last long because we can't stop the run. They might be able, they are getting yards at will. They put up 438 total yards, and over half of that coming from the run game. And in a day and age where offenses now are pass, 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 that's the way to score. You're racking up 400, 500-yard games in the passing realm, passing for four or five touchdowns. When you have a team that can run the ball efficiently, and also still pass, is going to be an uphill battle the entire game. And here's the thing, making it an uphill battle for our defense only put more pressure on our offense. With the defense not being able to stop the run and allowing Missouri to continue to score points, our offense was going to have to get into a shootout. And the offense, the way it has been this year, is not equipped for that. Yeah, Brown did great against Florida, and he did great in his come-in-and-win game against... Oh, it's escaping me who we played before Florida. Let me see if I can find it real quick. He's done great in his... in his. I wouldn't say great. He's done very nice job, and he's been efficient in the games he's come in and played, but he hasn't had to get into those shootouts. Texas A&M. That's right. We played A&M before Florida, and he led those two scoring drives to end the game. Now, yes, it was garbage time, but he still came in, and he was efficient, and he was effective, and he put points on the board. But he was never. He's never had it been in the in the moment of okay. I gotta go throw for throw, score for score with another with a, another team. Florida. Carolina got up early, and it was kind of coasting to the end. A&M, he came up mop-up role. So the fact that our offense had to get in a shootout was just something they really could not handle. It's something they were not equipped for. Brown went for 193 and two touchdowns, one interception. Brown basically had the same game Basilek did, right? Here's the difference. Brown only got 60 yards out of his top running back, Zaquandre Wright. Basilek got 209 that's a 140 yard difference that you're not i mean like we said like i said basilek he could afford to go 180 for two touchdowns and two interceptions because he was getting so much production from his running back brown he was gonna have to have a 250 300 yard game with maybe three touchdowns and no interceptions if he was going to compensate for his run game the low line I don't I don't know what happened there I mean they they got their better disappearing act than anything David Blaine could ever pull off 
They're gone every week before the Florida game. They show up and say, hey, we're all five-star NFL first-round draft picks. Let me show you what we can do. And then the next week, and just straight crap the bed. I don't know what's going on with that unit. I don't know if Coach Atkins, if they had a different game plan this week, if they switched up something in practice. I I mean, whatever. If they switch something up, they need to go back to what they were doing out of the bye week and off of Florida because um, that there's no holes were opening up. We were fighting for every yard. Like I said, 10 carries, 60 yards. Uh, six, six yards on the ground is great, or six yards per carry is great, but you need more. He only had one, White only had one touchdown. You need more production. Van, our leading receiver, as always, had a decent game, five receptions for 62 yards. And I don't want to say Van has to do more because Van receivers, they're at the mercy of everybody else when it comes to the offense. I, I, if you look at the order of the offense, I, I feel like it starts with the O-line. They set the tone, right? Quarterback, running back, receivers can't do anything without a great O-line, without somebody blocking for them. Then I say it goes to quarterback. He's the one uh, distributing the ball to the receivers, handing it off to the running back, making the plays. Then... You could probably give the same amount of level, same amount level to the running backs and receivers. I might give a little more to the running backs because usually when they're involved, they have the handoff and so they have full control. Now they have the ball. Everything they do is based on them. And then I go out to the receivers because they're the ones they they have to have make sure they are only important in the game if the O line is blocking for the quarterback to have time to throw, if the quarterback reads the coverage right and delivers a pass that's on target. Sometimes they're only big if the run game is working well because that takes pressure off the O-line and holds the defense, brings the linebackers in and keeps the uh, keeps one-on-one on the outside. So I feel like the receivers have to depend on everybody else if they want to have a good game. So I don't put a lot of blame or negativity towards Josh Van with like in terms of the amount of yards and uh scores because he is at the mercy of his own offense. However, we need somebody else on the receiving core to step up. It can't just be Josh Van who is can who continues to do it. I mean we have Tons of guys out there, DK Joyner, Xavier Leggett, Ortray Smith, Nick Muse, Trey Adkins, Chad Terrell. We have our, – our receiver room is deep. Granted, a lot of inexperience, but they're deep. And we need guys like that over these next two games, these last two games against Auburn and Clemson. They have to step up, and they have to say, hey, I'm here – I can be a factor in this offense for you. Brown going 16 of 30. <clears throat> that's just we ha he has to have be he has to have more receivers that are reliable for him that can get open. I think that's that's one of our biggest problems. This I will put the blame on the receivers for this one. They're not really getting open, right? It's great if you can make one-handed catches or you run a 4240 or 
your six foot seven and line up outside on the five eleven corner. All that is great. If you can't find open space, none of that matters because the quarterback can't get you the ball. And if you don't have the ball, you are not going to be effective in this game. You're just a body on the on the on the field, right? They, I don't know if it's just they're not. If it's their route running that is lacking. If it's their their understanding of of man versus zone and what to do in each of those, um, and for those if you don't know, in a receiver when he lines up and they figure out it's man, that means one defensive back is on him, or if you're a slot, maybe a linebacker is on him, and that guy is covering them the entirety of the play. So no wherever the receiver goes, the defense the defender is going to be on him, right? So in man. You're not going to stop any of your routes. If you're running a slant, if you're running a post, if you're running a go, you're going to continue that route across the entirety of the field. Then if the play breaks down or you go to scramble drill, deal with it then. But you are going to cross the entirety of the field on a slant, on a post. You're going to go all the way to the outside on an out. You're going to go all the way deep on a go. Because if you stop, that defender's just going to sit there with you. As opposed to zone, zone is when the defense pick certain spots in the field that they're going to say, okay, I have, say, one one cornerback says, I have between the numbers and the hash mark. And then the inside linebacker says, okay, I have between the middle of the field and the hash mark. And then you go on the other side, and the outside linebacker, or the, maybe even the, the DN says, okay, well, I have the other half of the middle of the field and then to this hash mark. And then on the outside, you have a corner that does the numbers to that hash mark, right? So they're playing zones. They're not going to follow the receiver. If the receiver's in their zone, they'll cover him. If he's out, they'll pass it on to the next guy. Well, here's with the routes. If you're running those slants and you're running those posts or those goes, you have to recognize that zone and you sit in the middle of that zone. Because if you continue to run across the field like you would in man, you're going to run into zone one, then zone two, then zone three, and then zone four. And every zone you run into is going to have a man right behind you. You have, to, you have to figure out, recognize, oh, it's zone. Let me sit between the second and third zone. Let me sit between these two linebackers. Boom, quarterback has a window, fires it right there. You might get tackled around the spot, but that's a five, six-yard game. So I don't know if it's our receivers. They're not understanding the concept and the differences between zone and man. If they're not even being able to recognize that, that comes with film study. You just have to learn the looks of a defense, what they look, what they look like, the tendencies of your opponent. Uh, I don't. I think it's a little bit of Brown, maybe just inaccurate, missing some throws, missing timing wise. I, I think that's a combination of of all of that in our passing game, and that's why that's why we see it struggle. Um, I've talked about a lot of a lot of the passing game because I mean we talked about our running game every week up until last week because it just hasn't been there. Last week being the outlier, and then it was, and then it was gone again this week. So, I think I'm putting a little more focus on the passing game because you you would think with three different quarterbacks in the year, you could get some level of consistency with accuracy or at least timing wise, and we're just not seeing that. And with three different quarterbacks, you can't keep blaming the quarterback. If it was, if we had. Um, Doty starting the entire year. We had Nolan starting the entire year. Brown had been starting since game one. You could begin to put the blame on Brown because now he's had 10 games. 
to figure out the timing, get with and uh, ten games and days and days and weeks of practice with these receivers to figure out timing and figure out the best way he can operate the offense. I would be uncomfortable putting the blame on one guy. But when you have three different guys who play it all differently, you would you'd have to think one of all three of them can't be this bad at timing and hitting zones. So it has to be somewhat on the receivers. Not doing their part, getting open, not running the right routes. I don't know if that's a factor. It could be. Or, I mean, just not understanding the concepts of the defense that are being running and understand what they need to be doing during those concepts or during those schemes. I don't really know. Give props to Missouri. They, me and Nick have talked about it. They were at the bottom of the SEC with us. We did Carolina, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. We, I mean, we agreed Vanderbilt was bottom, bottom, but Missouri and Carolina was kind of interchangeable. We both seen them play bad. We've seen both of them play well, and they came out, and this was a game that I think a lot of South Carolina fans and maybe even a lot of the players thought, oh, this is a game we should win and we will win, and I think that confidence killed them. I think that's that was really what it was. It was coming in still on that high from the Florida game. I think that was the ultimate downfall of the team, and that's just, I, I mean, I, I really think, I think, and that's a culture thing. That's not X's and O's. That's not offensive schemes. That's not defensive schemes. That's That starts with Beamer, and it starts with Satterfield and the coaches, and that's something they have to set during the week. They have to say, look, guys, that was a huge win Saturday. Y'all played very well. Let's celebrate till... I'd give them Monday afternoon at the latest, right? Give you a full day of Sunday and maybe practice Monday morning. I don't like it, but maybe you can still kind of be hyping it up and, oh, remember what you did two days ago? Oh, man, that was awesome. I love, I remember that. Oh, remember how big Shy, how open Shy Smith was in the end zone? Oh, run that right again, Shy. I give it to you Monday. By Tuesday, you got to start preparing. You got to start getting your mind right for the next game. You're in the SEC. You have SEC game every weekend. And we talk about how hard it is to win in this conference. You can't waste any days not preparing for your next SEC opponent. Even though Missouri was 4 and 5 coming into the game and 1 and 4 in conference, all right? We were 5 and 5, five and 4 going into the game. And two and four in conference. We weren't that much better. And so losing days or multiple days of the week, not because you weren't practicing. It was because you didn't have the right mindset at practice. You you weren't focused on the right thing. That's That starts with culture and that starts with Beamer saying, hey guys, button up. Act like we've been here before. We have to do what we did this past week again. That the 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 Florida loss, the Florida win, doesn't like we can't take we will we be Florida forty one to ten was it forty one to seven forty to seventeen okay we can't take those twenty three points that we beat Florida by and start the Missouri game out twenty three to nothing that's that's not how it works it's a it's a complete new game it's a zero zero scoreboard with sixty minutes to play it's its own new game. Uh, one of the quotes earlier this year from Arkansas's 
head coach, uh, Sam Pittman, after they had got off to their hot start and they were looking like one of the best teams in the SEC, they still kind of are. They lost to Georgia, and it was pretty bad. It was it was a bad loss to Georgia, and somebody asked Pittman after the game. He said, Sam, how how is this Georgia loss going to affect your preparation for next week, and how will it affect the rest of the season? And Pittman said, we can't let the Georgia loss uh, lead to – I don't remember who they played next. Let's say they played Auburn next. We can't uh, let oh, – I know. I had this big buildup, and then I'm going to let you down like this, right? What was the quote? The quote was – it was something like um, Georgia – the Georgia loss is not going to let Auburn beat us. Or, I mean, something to that effect. It was like you can't – you can't take a win or a loss from the previous week and let that dictate your next games. That's it. Then you're going to lose. You're no matter how good you are, no matter how talented you are. If you come in with that mindset, Oh, we've done this before you're over. It's, it's just not going to work. I, here, I found the quote for you. So they played Ole Miss the next week. And somebody asked them, how is this uh, – how are you not going to let the Georgia loss carry over into the Ole Miss game? And Pittman said, we got a good football team, and we got our butt kicked by a really good football team. And we don't like it, and we're not accepting it. But I'll be damned if Georgia is going to make us lose this old Miss game. And I, I think that was one of the my favorite co- quotes from this entire year. Uh, maybe one of my favorite quotes that I've heard from a coach ever is that we'll be damned if this Georgia game is going to make us lose. Is Georgia is going to make us lose to Ole Miss? And I think that's where Carolina got caught up. If they had come into this mind, the mindset of just flipped. If they had come into the mindset, we'll be damned if this Florida win, if Florida is going to make us lose to Missouri. Like you can't. The previous week has to mean something, but you have to have like a quarterback. You have to have a fast memory. You have to have a quick memory. You have to get out of your head. You got to move on to the next week. And that I mean that's that. It was it was a. It was a big moment for Beamer and the team first year. They they didn't live up to it. They they could not complete the task. Um, give credit to Missouri. They they stepped up. They put on a show for the home crowd. Um, they I mean they got a conference win, and I mean it's big time for them in a year where they've been kind of scuffling and struggling. Uh, they put on a complete performance. Uh, so hats off to them. And Carolina, uh, they're just going to have to – I mean, we say, we say it every week. They're going to have to bounce back. They're going to have to figure out something to do. Uh, they play Auburn next week. And me and Nick, hopefully, if he uh, if Nick's back, if not, it'll be me again. But we'll preview the Carolina-Auburn game this Thursday. They're going to have to step up. Auburn will be without their quarterback, Bo Nix, as he broke his ankle this past week. But here's the funny part and kind of the ironic part. They're a backup. He's got old TJ Finley. 
Some of you Gamecock fans might remember that name because he was LSU's quarterback last year when the Gamecocks went down to Death Valley and got walloped. So it's not going to be a walk in the park with a uh, quote-unquote, oh, the backup's in. Um, it's going to be a game. It's going to be a fight. I uh, I think Brown will get to start again, um, as far as I know, as far as the reports. Um, I mean, there hasn't really been any reports yet. Beamer hasn't confirmed or denied, and I don't expect him to till at least Friday, maybe Thursday night at the earliest. Um, they're just going to have to get it going again. They're going to have to find how to, how, to, how to get the run game going, which is not going to be easy against... Auburn, they're only allowing 130 yards a game on the ground. They're only allowing a now they are allowing 243 in the air. So that that might be where might be where we have to attack them. Brown, Doty, Noland, somebody's gonna have to big have a big game back there. Um, but none of that happens without a run game to take some of the pressure off the quarterback. Carolina still working for looking for their sixth win. Still, still looking to be bowl eligible for the first. They are bowl eligible. Still looking to get clinch a bowl game for the first time in four years now. They have two tough tasks to do that, but it starts this week on Saturday at 7 p.m. At least we keep getting night games. That's always fun. Uh, Clemson was confirmed a night game for 7:30. So if you are coming to that game, just be careful with uh yeah you know anyways uh we will be back with you we i hope i hope it's a we uh this thursday same time same place same team hopefully gonna get a different outcome but that'll do it for me today on the Believe in South Carolina podcast on the Believe in Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back Thursday. Go Cox. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.